God wants to talk to you this morning. And we're going to talk about fear. God put this in my heart a good month ago. Because what I've realized is, is, and I've heard this from so many other people, people are so worried right now in our nation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Worried about the economy, worried about politics, worried about racial strife, worried about international whatever, worried about disease. Y'all ever seen the bumper sticker, Ain't Scared? I think that's the redneck version of no fear. But guess what? It's not true. Because everybody sitting right here this morning has struggled with some kind of fear about something. You say, well, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, let, let me just give you a few, a few symptoms that deep down in the roots of your soul that there's some fear. Anger is one of them. Some people, when they get afraid deep down inside, the reaction is anger. Why? Because there's an adrenaline rush with fear. It's that fight or flight mechanism. And we can kick into anger so much more because we feel powerful like, like we can regain that illusion. And it's only an illusion. That illusion of control. There's some things we know deep down in our souls we can't control. Amen? There's a lot of things. There's a whole lot of things in our nation. There's things in, in this community. There's things in this church. There's things in my own life and in my family. I can't control. And the tempting substitute to mask fear is to kick into anger. Another one is obsessive compulsive need to, to pay attention to every detail because deep down inside you're afraid that if you don't cover every every base, dot every I, cross every T to the nth degree, something's going to go wrong. The root of that is fear. And look, let's be honest. We live in a dangerous world. Amen? We live in a dangerous world. There are real threats to our welfare all around us. Amen? Threats to our faith, threats to our family, threats to our, our, our finances, threat to our health. This is a dangerous world we live in. There are real threats to our welfare. And we are justified to be concerned. But it is not the inheritance of the children to be bound up and controlled by fear. It's not God's will for you or me for our lives to be guided and molded and shaped by fear instead of faith. Doesn't mean that we aren't careful in some things. It doesn't mean that we don't keep some guards up. But it should mean that we're not haunted by threats. Amen? Amen. If I got in a conversation with pretty much any of you adults particularly... If we talk very long and the idea of politics or whatever came up, you would be expressing grave concern because there's good reason to be gravely concerned. But there are a lot of other lesser fears. The what ifs, the if onlys that can tend to create a general atmosphere in our heart 
of anxiety. Low grade, underneath the surface, may not even come out of your mouth, but it's, it's the background noise of your mind and your emotions. Mark Twain said this. He said, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened. Fear is natural. It manifests in a lot of ways, as I've said. Fear is understandable. And it can be spiritual. It can be emotional. It can even be chemical. Okay? But here's the thing. Fear and anxiety is a robber. Fear and anxiety is a thief. Fear and anxiety steals peace. It steals victory from God's children. It steals impact. It ruins relationships. Fear is a killer and a thief. Fear is. A book I was reading recently, the author said this, How many opportunities of eternal consequence do we pass up because fear makes us timid. I, I, I think I need to read that again. How many opportunities of eternal consequence do we pass up because fear makes us timid? I wish I had 10 bucks for every time one of you has said something like this. Ah, I missed my opportunity to say, to pray, to do whatever. I was just scared. Thief is a robber. I mean, fear is a, is a thief and a robber. So I wanna, let's, let's talk about Peter. Everybody knows this story, but let's read a little bit of it, okay? Here we go. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water. Can you say walked on the water? He didn't just try. He walked on water. Anybody here else here ever walked on water? I don't mean when it's on your driveway. I mean like in the lake. I didn't say walk in the water, on the water. I, don't, I, I think we'd have known about it if you had. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Now listen, we all know this story. Jesus fed the 5,000. He went up on a mountain to pray and sent them across the lake. In the middle of the lake, a horrible storm came up to the point that seasoned sailors were scared spitless. They just knew they were going down in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And in the middle of that storm, here Jesus comes walking on the water. And they're scared of him. They're scared about everything. They're scared about the storm. Uh, you know, no fear. Oh, not them. They think they're going to die. And then Jesus walks up. And Peter dares say, if you're really not a ghost, this is an important point. 
If you're not a ghost and you're who you say you are, prove it. Got to happen now. Because you see, here's the deal. Peter and everybody there would have realized, oh, this is a mistake if it had sunk immediately, right? But he got out of the boat. He walked on the water. But something happened. And you know this. You've heard this preached a dozen, ten dozen times, some of you. I'm not going to say a whole lot new, but I am going to say something that we need to hear today. And here it is. He got his eyes off Jesus and got his eyes on the storm. And he began to doubt the words out of Jesus' mouth. He began to doubt maybe that that's really Jesus. But he began to doubt, certainly thinking, I am not supposed to be able to do this. But really he had his eyes on the storm, the thing that had made him afraid for his life to begin with. Here's a question for you. What are you afraid of? You may not can think of anything right now. You know what we're afraid of? We're all afraid of this one thing. Losing what we love. True? We're all afraid of losing what we love. You may not be there right now, but you've experienced that fear. And it can sneak up on you if you're not careful. Afraid of losing what you love. So what can we do with our fears? Well, we can do some of the things Peter did and avoid some of the things Peter did, but... The first thing is, is we've got to ask ourselves some questions. And here's the question number one. Can I, will I focus on Jesus in the middle of my storm? Can I, will I focus on Jesus in the middle of my storm? Not your storm, not the nation's storm even. Even though we internalize that, you watch enough of the news, you're going to end up internalizing the fear that is just stirred up. Can I, will I keep my focus on Jesus in my storm? First of all, I'm going to tell you, you can. So many, for many of us, the real issue is this. Will I? Will I choose to focus my heart and mind and desire on Jesus? Because here's the reality. Whatever dominates our focus will, de will define and determine our response. Whatever dominates my focus will determine my response to the crashing waves. Will I focus on the crisis or will I focus on King Jesus? The one who created and controls the cosmos. Will I focus on my catastrophe? Will I focus on the existential threat to my welfare? Or will I focus on the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. 
Because you see, most of us are afraid of some common things. Most of us are afraid somewhere deep down inside of failure. Most of us are afraid of some kind of loss, whether it's relationship or it's finance or it's health. We're afraid of the loss. And unless you have a firm grip on the resurrection power and the truth about Jesus, you're afraid of death. Amen? I hope you're not afraid of that one. If you got peace in Jesus, you have no need of that one. We can fix our eyes on Jesus or on our problems. But we cannot fix our eyes on both. Hear me. We can fix our eyes in the middle of our storm on Jesus or we can fix them on our problems, but we can't fix our eyes on both. It doesn't mean that we can't see the problem. We're talking about our willful focus. When push comes to shove, will I continue reminding myself of who Jesus is, what kind of authority He has, and His love for Will I continue focusing my heart, my desire, my expectation on Him, even though on the sidebar I can see my problem, my storm playing out? Because you see, the storm didn't stop when Peter got out of the boat. Did it? It didn't stop until Jesus got in the boat. But when, Peter, when Jesus said to Peter, come, Peter got out of the boat and the wind and waves were still blowing and washing just like they had before. But he's walking in obedience. He's walking in response to the reality of who Jesus is. If Jesus can do that and Jesus said, I can do that, I can do that. The waves and winds were still going, but, and he knew it, but he wasn't focused on them. He was focused on Jesus. And when his focus changed, he sank. And so if you're taking notes, here you go. You get your focus off Jesus, you sink every time. You are no match for the threats to your welfare if you get your eyes on the problem and off of Jesus, doesn't mean you don't, it doesn't mean, I'll talk about this in a minute, doesn't mean you don't have responsibilities. Just because Jesus is commanding you doesn't mean there's nothing for us to do. There are things we're responsible for, amen? But there's things that only He can control and we better learn how to trust Him with them. And that's my next point. We'll get there in a minute. God's character should dominate our thoughts and heart. What captures our attention? What do we dwell on or get stuck in or overwhelmed by? Our destiny is as bright as His nature. Hear me, our destiny and future is as bright as His character. Our destiny and future is as secure as His authority and power. Amen? What we feed our soul fuels fear or it fuels faith. Just, I'm going to try to get this done. What, what we feed our soul fuels our fear or it fuels our faith. 
And most things are not going to fuel both. You got to make some choices what you feed your mind. You got to make some choices what comes out of your mouth. Because what comes out of my mouth affects my thoughts. What comes out of my mouth affects my emotions. What comes out of my mouth affects my will. Amen? Has anybody besides me found this to be true? I need to be speaking faith. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We got to meditate on this, guys. We got to meditate. Meditate means to turn it over and over in your mind. And the original Hebrew word for meditate meant to mutter out loud to yourself. In other words, talk about, talk to yourself about the truth of the scripture. When you are meditating on the awesomeness of God, it will fuel your faith. But if you are meditating on the storm around you, you might as well have concrete shoes on because you're going down. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is Philippians 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. In other words, don't let your fear cause you to be angry. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. That's low-grade fear, by the way. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Let's meditate on these things. Jesus is the one that matches all those qualities. So what are we saying? Really, Paul is saying to the Philippians, feed your mind and your soul. Feed yourself the beauty and the awesomeness of Jesus. And He will guard your heart with peace. He will. So meditate. I just ask you, what are you feeding your spirit? What are you feeding on? What's your diet? They say you are what you eat. What are you eating? The second thing is worship. Paul makes it clear here. Rejoice in the Lord. He's talking about people that are in trouble. And he's saying rejoice in the Lord. Oh, but I'm in a storm. I'm facing a wave. I'm going to rejoice. Well, yeah. If you don't want to sink, you need to start rejoicing. Because when we force ourselves, you say, I can't force myself to worship. It's not real worship if I have to force myself to do it. Worship is not about how you feel. Worship is about who He is. Worship is about what He deserves. Worship is about the truth about King Jesus that walks on water. We worship not because we feel goosebumps. We worship not because we got sentimental journeys going on. We worship because of who He is and what He's done. 
And that's why Paul refers to thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. What are you doing? You're reminding yourself of what God's done already. This is discipline, by the way. You don't think it took, would, well, evidently he failed at it. But Peter, if he'd had a little more discipline and kept his eyes on Jesus, he might could have walked all the way to him. And then them walked arm in arm back to the boat. But he didn't discipline his mind. He didn't discipline his will. He didn't discipline his emotions. Discipline is not an unspiritual concept. As a matter of fact, Paul says to Timothy, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound or a disciplined mind. So worship. Worship in the middle of your storm. You say, I'd just about rather be hit in the head with a two before than have to worship when everything's going crazy in my life. Well, you better learn how to do it. Because it's one way you can keep your eyes on Jesus. It's maybe the only way for some of us that we can really keep focusing when the waves are crashing. Finally, pray. You know, sometimes we, we go to other alternatives to get us through those anxious moments. Some people turn to alcohol. Some turn to drugs. Some turn to the refrigerator. Amen? Oh, I know. Comfort eating is real. Some turn to shopping. Uh, now I've gotten in trouble, I know. But anyway. <laughs> I got time. She said, I can retract on the spot. But you know what God wants us to do in the middle of our storm is not try to self-medicate with anything. He wants us to hit our knees in the secret place and pour our heart out to Him and let Him assure and comfort us. Amen? Here's the next major question. And I've got... Four points to make under it and I'll be done. I promise. I know. I'm going to go past 12 again. Okay. Can you trust Jesus in the storm? Not can you keep your focus on Him, but can you trust the Jesus you got your focus on? Is He trustworthy? Everybody here would say, yes, He's trustworthy. But we still struggle to keep our eyes on Him. When we know He's the ultimate source of every solution in our life. It doesn't mean that He doesn't use other things. They even use our obedience. But He's at the core of every solution for every major storm in our life. He's at the middle of it. Here's another statement from that same author I was referring to. Until we shift from trusting good results to trusting God in bad results, we don't really trust God at all. I don't know about you, but that just like hits me right between the eyes. But I know it's true. How many of you have been praying and you still see bad results? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. I'm praying about some stuff and I still don't see any good results. My trust is judged by can I continue trusting Him without results? 
Is He still good? And the answer absolutely is yes. So the issue is this. In the middle of my storm, can I trust Him? Can I trust His presence? You see, the, dis the disciples thought they were all by themselves. But they really weren't. They, 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 listen, if you think the presence of God is just a ghost, it will give you no comfort. Can you trust His real presence? By the way, if you're a born-again believer, He lives inside you. So He's with you everywhere you go. But even if you're not, He's everywhere present. Can you trust His real presence? Or are you going to say, not with your mouth, none of us would ever say it, but do we deep down in our heart not trust that His presence is really with us? In other words, that no matter what storm I'm going through, no matter what wave is hitting me in the face, He is with me. I want Him to do something about the storm. Sometimes He gets you through the storm by linking arms with you and walking you through it. That's what he did with Peter, wasn't it? He picked him up and walked with him. And the storm did not stop until they got in the boat. The Lord is near, it says. Back in Philippians 4 again, the Lord is near. This is one reason we can rejoice, because He's with us. He's not, He's Emmanuel. We worship Him as Emmanuel at Christmas. He's Emmanuel today. He will be Emmanuel tomorrow. It's the kind of God He is. It's the way He operates. That's the way He rolls. So, can we trust His real presence? Can we trust His love, care, and promises? Because they're all tied together. He promises because He loves. He keeps His promises because He loves. And it's his nature. He can't lie. He can't go back on a promise. He doesn't just throw stuff at the wall and see if it sticks. He makes promises because his intentions are kind toward us. And he wants the best for us. Amen? His promises should fill our mouths. His promises are according to his character, dominated by his love. He's incapable of breaking one. So His promises should fill our hearts and our mouths and our minds. Here's a question for us. Our question for God is usually this, do you really love me? His question for us is this, I gave my only son to die in your place. Can you trust me and my love? Listen. I know there's a lot of crisis represented by the people sitting in these seats right now. There are crises all through this congregation. I know about some of them, and then there's probably many I don't know about because some of you ain't talking. Can I really trust Him with it? I don't mean can I say it. That's a good start. Can I really trust Him with my storm? 
Can I trust him with my welfare? And no matter how big the storm gets, can I really trust him? And by the way, if I can, if I can, I will be able to sleep at night. If I can, some of us, we can quit eating antiacid pills like candy. If I can really trust him, and I do really trust him, I can have peace. Because he is the Prince of Peace. And when I'm, under his, when I'm in surrender to him, I can walk in peace. Can I trust his commands? It says in Philippians again, be anxious for nothing. It's a command. And he never commands us to do anything we are not able to do. If He commands me to fear not, it means with His help and I'm surrendered and leaning on Him, I can overcome fear. Renee, come to the piano if you would. And I want our, our prayer team going to join us again because I believe there's people here that, that you've done all these things I've talked about and yet you still struggle with fear. And I know that sometimes fear is a direct frontal assault of the demons of hell against you. And we want to join with you in prayer. If you feel like you're under an assault from hell in, in the area of fear, we believe that God wants to set you free. You may have been meditating. You may have been worshiping. And it's like you still have a struggle. Maybe He just wants you to team up with other believers and believe Him for a breakthrough. Amen? How many of you, you do believe sometimes fear is just a direct assault from hell? Can we trust His commands? Here's what we have to learn to do. Pray, obey, and leave the rest up to God. Yes, do we have a responsibility in most situations? Yes, we do. But we need to pray and ask God what we're supposed to do and really trust Him with what He's going to do. Or sometimes what only He can do. But there's times when we might try to do what He's supposed to do. But we need to pray and hear the voice of God. Sometimes He will say, I know you could try to do that, but don't. Let me handle it. There are times God wants to handle some things that we might try to handle on our own. we got to be willing to hear. Pray. Hear. Obey and surrender the rest of it to Jesus and put it in His hands a thousand times in one day if you have to. It's yours, Jesus. It's yours. I'm not carrying this. This is yours. This is your burden. This is not my burden. This is your burden. Ever been there? I have. Finally, we got to treasure what lasts forever. What is most precious? And I'm going to share this and then we're going to pray. Carol Craig was sitting here just a while ago, but she has to leave because Jim is at home battling cancer. Most of you know the story already, but for some of you new faces, you don't. God healed him of cancer back six, seven years ago and it came back. And he's dying. 
But their heart is so focused on Jesus. Their heart is so focused on heaven. Their heart is so focused on the reward that they are waiting that they will see when they see Jesus face to face. They are some of the most at peace people I've ever seen go through cancer. And as a pastor of almost 40 years, I can tell you, I've seen some people go through cancer and die. But you know what? What they treasure most is not threatened by cancer. Are you hearing me? What they treasure the most is not ever threatened by disease or by other people's actions. When my treasure is tied to heaven, it is safe from every attack of hell. We got to decide what we treasure. Because you know what? Sometimes we spend a lot of times loving stuff and it causes us to be anxious over the possibility of it being threatened and lose it. Hey, if you love your automobile, you should be very afraid. Especially if you drive up and down 431. If you love your house, you shouldn't be afraid. But if you love Jesus and you love people, I mean, really? What's precious is narrowed down to that, isn't it? We got to travel light, folks. Our hope is in heaven, and it is secure. I want our worship team just to come up here and stand with me, and we're going to pray. Would you stand with me? If the enemy has been attacking you with fear or a general, low key, but like, regular anxiety. If you wake up in the morning with a knot in your stomach and you don't even know why, you need to come for prayer. Some of these things that I've said, they'll help you. But we want to pray a prayer of freedom and deliverance from the attacks of the enemy this morning. Okay? All right. Come on, folks. Come up. Turn around. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's your day. You afraid of hell or afraid of death? Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to save your soul and give you confidence before the throne room of God. Amen? He wants to forgive your sin, deliver you from every bondage, and give you abundant life. And if you don't really have that but you want it, you need to come tell one of these people where you're at. They can lead you to a saving knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ this morning. Or if you're a believer and you say amen to everything I just preached, and yet you know you still got to struggle, we want to join with you in prayer and believe God to break any stranglehold the enemy has on your emotions and your, your fear. Amen? Come on, let's, let's pray together. I'm, I'm just going to start praying and you come. Father, in Jesus' name, we resist the spirit of fear in your people, O oh God. We resist that spirit of fear and we ask you, do a work, do a sign, do a wonder among us, Father. Set people free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're 
If you are standing out there and you struggle with a little niggling fear that just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back, and you just want to be done with that thing, I want to see your hand. Raise your hand right now. Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay, anybody else? Raise your hand. Okay, nobody else. I guess they're all down here then. Come on and pray. Would you just, would you join somebody's hand beside you if you feel comfortable doing that? Would you just join somebody's hand? Let's, let's agree together right now. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for a breakthrough in people's hearts and minds today. Come on, guys, really pray. No, don't just let me pray. Come on, pray. Pray for these few that came up here. I know it's not many, but you know what? They're precious to God. Pray like it's you. Pray like it's your wife. Pray like it's your mother. Pray like it's your sister, your daughter. Pray for them. Come on. Stretch your hands out toward them right now. Let's pray for a break in the assault of fear on their souls in Jesus' name. He's a chain breaker, amen? He's a deliverer. He's the king. He's the prince of peace, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the wonderful counselor. He's our strong tower, our safe place. He's come to give us abundant life. Not a life riddled or controlled by fear. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for freedom from fear. We know that perfect love casts out fear and you love us perfectly and we don't have to walk, be motivated, molded, or directed by fear. Lord, we rejoice in the freedom of your peace and your joy in the Holy Ghost. This morning, God, we accept freedom. We accept peace. Lord, we take hold in Jesus' name. Can all God's people say amen?